Hello and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show, where our goal is to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. We really, really, really do want to create a world where racial equity is the norm. I am your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Before we get started today with our meditation, I just want to invite you, if you are listening live or if you're listening on Facebook, please do drop a comment to us. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We want to hear your questions. Today, we're gonna be talking about truth be told, the one drop rule. I know that it is something that um, has a lot of weight in the ways in which we think about what defines us as black, white, or other. And I know people have a lot of thoughts and some experiences with this. And so please make sure that you just drop a comment in the Facebook uh, link and we will be sure to address it. We so appreciate each and every week the time that you take to join us. And so we want to just include you in on our conversations. I wanna thank you uh, at the top of the hour for listening to the show. It means so very much to me. Thank you for all the work that you do to dismantle racism. I know that the journey isn't always easy, but I applaud you for continuing to be committed to dismantling racism. I also want to uh, let you know that I am offering a six-week course on a blueprint for ending racism that begins September 14th. So please do go to my website at sacredintelligence.com and sign up to become a part of that group. If you at all um, are, are interested in increasing your knowledge, if you are interested in overcoming your fears, if you are interested in just determining how do I keep going through this process because it is wearying, this course is for you. So I want to invite you to sign up to be a participant in the course. September 14th, it starts. And now let's get started with our show for today. I want to invite you into that special place of connecting with your source, connecting with your breath. So if you would, just find a place to be really comfortable, plant your feet on the floor or on the ground if you are outside. And take a moment to center yourself taking a deep breath in and out, being conscious that that breath that you are taking in and out is your divine wisdom. It's your sacred intelligence, that part of you that manifests your good while helping you to manifest the good in others. Just take a deep breath in and out and recognizing that that breath is life. That breath calls you to life. It calls you to more than just existing. It calls you to stand up, to take charge, to take control of the things that you are capable of taking control of. It causes you to think about the ways in which you can change the status quo. That breath is a sign of the light that is within you that's meant to shine. 
So just breathe in and out, connecting with your source, your inner being, your guide that tells you what truth is. Just breathe in and out, recognizing that you were born for a purpose. You are here in this earthly realm for such a time as this. So just breathe in and out, not only connecting with your inner source, but connecting with those who came before you, your ancestors, those people who've paved the way for you, bring them into this sacred moment with you, recognizing that you are not alone on this journey. So breathe in and out. Breathe in and out. Breathe in the knowledge of who you are, who you are meant to be. Breathe in your greatness and breathe in this thought that the power of one contributes to the power of community. What you do matters. Now take a deep breath in, sigh it out, and let's begin. Racism doesn't require intention or malice. I often hear people say, but I'm a good person. The thing about racism is that it is so deeply rooted in us as a society that we don't even recognize it. Take our language, for instance. Something that I've heard repeatedly, actually this week a few times. This phrase, minority. How many people still use the word minority? to describe a person of color. To use that word reinforces the idea that we are less in some ways if we are categorized as minority. It's an indication that that individual or that group of people that they don't hold power. So what does it do to the psyche over the years to hear that you're a minority? or to describe yourself as a minority? What does it do to the psyche of the person who considers themselves to be the majority? Or even more so, to describe themselves as being a part of the dominant culture? We use this language about thinking about the deeper meaning behind it, about thinking without thinking about what it is reinforcing in our lives. We take it for granted. And so we use them without thinking. There's no intention of racism, but that's exactly what it is, even in internalized racism. It's a way of othering. It's a way of separating us one from the other. And then take something like skin color. Skin color is a way that we have othered folks forever. 
probably since the beginning of time, but I don't know that for sure. I just know about our history. It's impacted us within group and it has impacted us between groups. In the work that I do on dismantling racism, I see so many people, particularly people of color, who've talked about the pain of either being dark skin or being fair skin. I've even had white people to say to me that they have experienced pain being the darker ones in their family. We place so much emphasis on skin color. We even tease people about their skin color. And unfortunately, the pain that I see, the end result is, is that they don't feel good about themselves. Even when they're 70 and 80 years old, they're still carrying those wounds. And I know that we grew up using terms without even giving it a thought, not truly understanding the implications. You know, those terms that we use in our community as Black people when we call people red bone or yellow. We refer to people by their skin, thinking that sometimes it's a term of endearment that we're using, but we're misguided in our thinking. And we don't even understand the implications of it how deep those wounds go and how it impacts them in the way that they show up in life, never thinking that they're good enough, never believing that they're worthy. And so often those people don't reach their highest potential. They don't manifest their greatness. And as a result, we all lose out. We lose out when we don't see the potential in one another. And when we categorize people based on race, based on skin color, based on any type of othering. Well, today on our show, we are going to be talking about the truth be told about the one drop rule. Because as my guest says, our DNA is the storage device that holds the unvarnished truth and cannot be destroyed. Truth be told, the trauma of enslavement and the assault of the loins of enslaved females created a mulatto race and destroyed the one drop rule. The sad truth is white supremacists are willing to act in violence to protect a white race, choosing to forget what white Europeans, settlers created a mongrel race when they raped and impregnated African enslaved women and children. And so after slavery um, was illegal and social discrimination was the primary incentives for whites to hide genetic relationships with blacks or enslaved people in particular. Therefore, the one drop rule became a tool of white supremacy and genetic relationships with blacks or enslaved people changed over time because of that supremacy. Most human attitudes and behavior have both a genetic and an environmental component. And so we're gonna take a look at some of those things today. 
It's also true that our fear, intolerance, prejudice, and discriminations of others who are different from us show up based on how we perceive whether we're Black, white, or other. The Racial Integrity Act of 1924 mandated every person be clearly defined, identified in terms of their race upon birth. And so DNA provides knowledge of who you came from. And with that knowledge, we may better understand who we are minus all of the treachery, lies, deceit, false history, and systemic oppression. I could go on and on and on, but our guest today says that dismantling racism begins with owning the truth, considering the racial makeup of the continental United States and the world at large. I cannot wait to introduce you to my guest today, Eunice Buffington, but we're going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I'll tell you a little bit about her and what she has been doing over the last several years and how it's time to tell the truth about the one drop rule. We'll be right back with my guest today. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. back with the Dismantle Racism show. My guest today is Eunice Buffington. 
Uh, Eunice Buffington is a geologist, a family historian, a speaker, and a YouTube host. She was born in Mississippi, uh, born in Memphis, Tennessee, raised in the farther south in Holly Spring, Mississippi, home of Ida B. Wells. She went to an HBCU, Russ College. And she also was a part of the U.S. Army. She's a retired CW4 and Bronze Star recipient with a BS in psychology. She has an MA in human resource management. She is the owner and the creator of the Family Tree Buff, LLC. Uh, She has been researching her roots in Mississippi Georgia and Arkansas, connecting the dots of enslaved ancestors from South Carolina, North Carolina, and Virginia for over 12 years, revealing actually the trauma in the family tree. She is the current president of the Afro-American Historical and Geological Society in Memphis and Mid-South. Now, if you wonder why I'm stumbling a little bit over my words, it is because I am just as pleased as punch to have Eunice on my show because the best thing about her introduction for me, I love all the work that she's doing, but she is my high school classmate. And so it is so wonderful to have, I think you actually are my first high school classmate to have on. I've had other people from our hometown, but I am just so excited, Eunice, to welcome you to the show today. I've been gushing all since yesterday, I think, thinking about you being on the show. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. I am excited to be here and honored to be here. So the thing that I want to tell our guest about you, Eunice, because one of the things that I start out asking is around how we ground ourselves in uh, the work that we do. And I know that your work is fascinating, but I think it's really important for our guests to know how committed you are to doing the work of dismantling racism, to doing the work of um, really overcoming and helping folks to understand the trauma of racism, Eunice is coming to us today from the hospital. Now, as much as I tried to tell her that she didn't have to show up today, she is committed to doing so. So Eunice, tell us, why is it important for you to be here? Because, you know, I'm a person who, it believes in self-care. So talk to us about why you are here today. Well, uh, I, I also believe in self-care, but I'm a person that believes that uh, a part of that self-care is not allowing our trauma, our uh, things that affect us to hold us back. Uh, and so it, sometimes it becomes a part of our life. You know, we still move forward. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm here today because I am so excited and looking forward to telling my truth revealing my truth so somebody so it can affect and help somebody else Uh, and no matter where I'm at and what space I'm in I can still be able to do that Hmm. you know what Eunice so actually you are reminding me of Harriet Tubman I admire her so much because Harriet Tubman was a woman who had seizures she did not allow that to stop her though Mm -hmm. from running freedom when she could have had a seizure at any point in time And so I just applaud you for the work that you are doing and and the ways in which you are showing up in the world and taking care of yourself in the process. Because 
Eunice did assure me that I am taking care of myself. And if she couldn't do it, she, she wouldn't do it. But Eunice, there's one other little piece that I want to just share with people that I think is so uh, fascinating. And you and I talked about this when we talked before the show. So Eunice and I in high school, many, many, many years ago, uh, we went to Holly Springs High School and we ran for Miss Holly High. And here's what's interesting about our stories and in the ways in which the sacred begins to plant things in us that we are not even aware of. So Eunice did a piece, a dramatic piece uh, from Sojourner Truth called Ain't I a Woman? And I did a piece uh, from James Weldon Johnson's uh, Go Down Death, which was a series of sermons. So how ironic is it that today that Eunice is doing this work on looking at trauma and um, for women in particular and looking at um, like the ways in which we can overcome that. And you were connected with Sojourner Truth back then. I ended up being a pastor, didn't know it, and was doing go down death, right? And so it shows the ways in which the sacred begins to put those little kernels in our, our spirits and our minds. And so um, it just brings up really just very powerful memories for us, for me, it does, to connect back to a beginning for us. And we are also from the hometown of Ida B. Wells, which is also significant. But I don't know about you, Eunice. I don't think they taught us very much about Ida B. Wells when I grew up. We didn't they, know. No, they did not. And so I, on, on my own journey afterwards, I learned so much. And I was astounded because I felt like I, I'm from the hometown of Ida B. Wells. Why do I have to go somewhere else to learn that? To learn about her and her life and what she did. Uh, and so I was astounded to realize how much, how remiss that the education system was in teaching us about our, 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 our heroes and, and, and heroes. Mm -hmm. yes. Do you think it was intentional? I do. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, in my research, I've found researching African-Americans, you find very little and you, you have to put, connect the dots. That's why I use that term, connecting the dots. Whereas as, when I'm researching uh, people of, of another race, uh, Caucasian, primarily Spanish, other race, it's not so, uh, their, their history is not hidden. Mm. Often our history, our connections are hidden, hidden, disrupted, disturbed. And mm. so you have to connect the dots to discover our truth. And so yeah. I think it was intentional and in them leaving out uh, mm. some, of, some of the people that, uh, that we, uh, as African-Americans, yeah, so I think that was intentional. Because mm, knowledge is power, right? Exactly. And so if you leave it out, then we don't know how powerful we, we, we don't know how powerful we are. Think of ourselves as the minority. Mm -hmm. See, yes. Those are intentional terms as well. But Eunice, tell us, tell us a bit about your journey and what what was what was it that led you to say, look, I want to find out more about me and who I am. That's a great question. I started my journey uh, looking for my great-great-grandfather. When I was in the Army, uh, a, a, another soldier asked me, and he was, he, was, he was Caucasian, he asked me what did I know about my name. And honestly, I did not know anything about my name. I just knew I got it from my father, and it was my, my, 
That's where it came from. Mm -hmm. But what, what that told me was he knew something that I did not know mm. about the history of my name. And so when I was in a, uh, a, a, a master's course, that we had a class on writing a paper about your family history. And so I, I knew nothing about my family history, and that started me so I, uh, on that journey. And, and with that, I found, I thought that I was sent from people that came from Memphis and Holly Springs, Mississippi, what I found was I descended from enslaved Africans, mm -hmm. from the Caribbean, free people of color, mm. Native Indians, mm. Scottish, and French immigrants. Mm. The, a DNA test uncovered the entwined heritage of a legacy of generational trauma that was so powerful, it illuminated the practice of Scottish and Irish and French immigrants taking young indigenous Native American Black, Caribbean, a lot of young girls, and, and making them concubines, impregnating them. And, and that connected me to so many DNA cousins. And this discovery turned my passion for ancestry and genealogy and connecting the dots to a call for action, a call mm -hmm. to action for revealing the hurt to heal. And that started my personal journey and my personal story. Mm, I have so many questions from that, you know, in terms of, uh, and we do have to take a quick break, but like just when we come back, I really would love to hear what happened when you got connected with some of those cousins. If you had an opportunity to talk to them, you know, you're saying it revealed this, uh, this, this really a family trauma, right? There's some similarities that you might have noticed and you weren't even you weren't even born and raised together. So I'd love to just hear what that was like for you. But what did it mean for you, Eunice, if you could think about this a little bit during the break, what did it mean for you to discover your heritage and where you came from? Because like you said, you grew up with thinking about Holly Springs, Mississippi and Memphis. And, and for those of you who know Holly Springs is a little town, you know, it's, it's in, and so um we are limited in our thinking if we just based it right on the environments that we live in so i'd love to talk with you more about that when we come back what did it mean to to expand who you are we're going to take a quick break this is the dismantle racism show and when we come back we'll hear more from my guest eunice buffington Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? 
Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. back with my guest today, Eunice Buffington. And I just want to remind you, if you are listening on Facebook, or if you have any uh, questions, comments for us, please do comment on Facebook and let us know what you think about today's show. Um, Eunice, before the break, I was um, asking you to think about what it was like for you to discover your heritage. If you're like me growing up in Mississippi, we thought there was black and there was white because no one really talked about anything other than that, even though we had a few people at the universities who were from other places. But it wasn't until I moved out of the South that I really started to experience this um, kaleidoscope of individuals. So what was that like for you to find out your heritage? It was truly eye-opening. It was uh, a very eye-opening experience because in in connecting to my answers, I really found myself. Uh, and that was real, uh, really uh, uh, cathartic for me because I found myself in that. And I found that little girl who was traumatized. Mm. And I was able to go back and help heal that little girl that was traumatized. All too often in my, in my work, I discovered trauma in family trees, followed by a successive pattern of dysfunction within family circles. And for years, I hid my own personal trauma and adapted to living a toxic life existing in the trauma and kind of just repeating traumatic behavior. But through counseling, journaling, storytelling, I found words to reveal that hurt without feeling the pain over and over again. And so I sought to become the gateway mm. to spot, to speak, to stop, and to soothe the generational trauma. Mm. And so I provide for myself and others a path to connect to, to that. So what have been some of the things that you've noticed in terms of patterns, not just for your family, but overall, when you're looking at the genealogy, particularly for Black folks, uh, what are some common uh, traumas that surface and what are some of the behaviors that results from that trauma. At the beginning of the show, you mentioned you mentioned something that was very important, and that was that even in our own families, we look at each other based on the uh, on appearances and color, and make a determination, and that is traumatizing, even in families. And so, I, and I, I discovered that in family trees, uh, especially if there's uh, uh, there's stepkids, stepchildren. And, and somebody's is light, light, a lighter complexion, a different color, and they're different colors. 
that creates a traumatic uh, in children and creates a traumatic incident in, in adults. Uh, mm -hmm. I lived it myself. Uh, I'm the darkest in my family, and I lived it myself to the point that I was, uh, when I was young, I was very, very concerned about my color. I, I was just insecure because of my color. It, my grandmother uh, was my saving grace and told me, uh, gave me the, the story of the black of the berry, the sweet of the juice. Uh, that, that was that I took with me everywhere I went and somebody called me black and I would retort with that. Mm -hmm. But deep down inside, it hurt. There was pain. And so, uh, uh, and we live with that. And I found that in other family trees, I've also found the, the, the trauma of incest, the trauma mm -hmm. of childhood sexual abuse. And that was my, that was my, that's my personal trauma was the childhood sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. uh, when I came to, to Mississippi Holly Springs, I was coming from that. I was being rescued from that. Mm -hmm. When I joined the army, as I told people about my life, I never went past when I came to Holly Springs. I never told anybody about my life in Memphis. Mm -hmm. I always started uh, in Holly Springs. Mm -hmm. I would skip over the trauma. And so I find that in, 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 in just repeatedly, uh, mental, mental, uh, mental abuse, substance abuse, uh, sexual trauma, uh, separation patterns, I found all of that in family trees. And what happens is we don't deal with that trauma. We begin to repeat the cycle of trauma, of that trauma, not mm -hmm. even realizing that you're repeating it. So for me, personal, mine was childhood sexual abuse. I became uh, sexual promiscuous. Mm -hmm. And so by 13, I was a mother. Mm -hmm. So most people, my friends never knew my, my, where I came from, what I came from. Mm -hmm. And so uh, uh, when you don't, don't, process that trauma and that pain you often repeat it yeah. in different ways mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and i know that you know as a psychologist and the teenagers that i worked with and how we can actually blame the people right blame the the victim survivor whatever language that we want to use in that um without understanding that people repeat patterns that they've right. experienced and it's interesting i want to just go back to this phrase the black of the berry because i remember that we used to say that and even up into adulthood because we said it as a term of endearment now i can't quote the rest of that quote but actually that whole, whole phrase the black of the berry the sweet of the juice there's another part that goes with it that's damaging and I can't remember for the life of me what it is. So if there's somebody listening out here knows the rest of that phrase, but we took it as an ownership, right? We took it as, listen, the black of the berry, sweet of the juice. So there's something wonderful about me. However, at the same time we did that, we also talked about people who were dark skinned. Like I can remember from high school, you know, I, I, I in, in fact, I remember a particular person I will not call uh his name on the show but you and i both know we used to he we had a name for him mm -hmm. right he was beloved though he was a yes. beloved person but how do we know that that nickname for him wasn't something that actually caused him pain right we don't know that and i remember also this is the other thing about the trauma of enslavement within our own culture one of the things that we can often do so we can in one sense applaud the light skin folk 
and in another sense, tear them down in the same way. And it wasn't until I became, I would say, an adult doing this work. And I, I was in a workshop one day and I was talking to people about the pain of their past. And this one woman stood up who was a very light-skinned woman. And there was a phrase we used to use for, for light skin too. We would say light, bright, and damn near white, right? Remember we yeah. would those. So she stood up with such pain. And this woman had to be close to 80. And she stood up and talked about the pain of, I was never black enough for black people and I was never white enough for white people. And so you see the damage that we do. And, and especially if you're the other in your family, it's quite painful. And so I wonder as you were, as you do this work, how do you help people to navigate this? So I, I, I heard you as you were talking, you used the term that you spot, speak, stop, and soothe. So how do you help? I know that's particularly for children, but talk a little bit about your work and, and how you help people deal with uh, the trauma that they experience. I, I try to simplify and I call it the four, the four S's of surviving generational trauma. Spot, I mean, identify, you know, identify the signs of generational trauma. And most of the time, trauma shows up in the body. The signs of trauma shows up first in the body. Sleep disturbances, uh, uh, not being able to eat. The, the first signs of trauma shows in our, in our body. So even for children, the first signs of trauma shows in the body. And so their uh, uh, destructive patterns in their sleep, in their eating behavior, in the way they behave, those are signs of trauma. So being able to, to spot those signs of trauma. When they stop talking, a child is, is normally active and talking and all of a sudden they, they stop talking to be able to recognize those signs they don't speak allow a child a person to be able to speak and i call it reveal the hurt to heal and so for me i had to i had to go back to that that five-year-old child and reveal that hurt to be able to process it and heal the other one is, is to speak soothe through counseling journaling and other ways reading to be able to soothe from that. And then the other one is to stop. Stop is to be the, I wanted to be the change agent to say no more, no mm. more. And mm. so each person can be that in your family, in your, your situation, your dynamic, to be the change agent to say no more. When you spot, spot it, identify it, speak about it to reveal the hurt to heal, soothe from it and to be the change agent say stop. I would be, and I, I decided that would be me in my family, I would be the change agent mm. to say before. We and so how, how did your family receive you when you started doing this work? And actually, you know, when we stop and we want to be the change agent, it shakes up those dynamics. So it does. It, it does. It does shake up. But once you come from truth, people start start to reveal their truth. And that's when we, when we begin to heal. Mm. That's when the healing process began. When we begin to reveal our truth and accept our truth, that's when the, the, the healing starts. Mm. And so even in my own family, so uh, initially my family was resistant to, why do you want to talk about that? Why mm. do you want to go back to this pain? Now, uh, uh, as we reveal the truth and they recognize, because in some of that truth, someone will recognize 
that happened to me as well. Something like that happened to me as well. I am not alone. And so as you begin to reveal your truth, somebody else will accept and recognize that in them and can Mm. reveal theirs. Mm. You know, you, you are just really speaking to on so many levels about so many ways in which we're traumatized. And so I I want our audience to know that we are talking about dismantling racism today, and we're specifically talking about looking at our family structures and and our genealogy, but really what you are speaking and these these, um, tools that you're giving us to spot, speak, stop, and soothe are really transcending the conversation of race and that we can use those when we want to heal. The scary thing is about opening up those wounds. And I know as a psychologist, when I've worked with people, particularly particularly around sexual abuse, I can always spot uh, or typically spot when someone has been abused. And when I worked with teenagers and they would tell me about how their mother, because usually in my case, it was the mother, they would tell me how their mother was behaving. And I would just gently say to them, I'm, I think your mother probably has experienced some things in life that you are unaware of and that there's some feelings, perhaps of unworthiness, sadness, blah, 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 that's causing her to respond in that way. It's not excusing her behavior, but I just want you to understand. And particularly when I worked with young ladies who had been abused, but they didn't know their mother's history, I would say to them, somewhere in in your mother's past, she has probably been abused, even if she hasn't had the conversation. Because such traumatic things would happen to these young ladies. And it would seem like the mother just was out in another, another place and space. And so if we don't deal with it, and if we don't deal with, there's the deeper level of this as well with this, with understanding trauma, whether it's any kind of abuse is our own self-hatred and our own ability when people are abusing to see that other person as human. And we particularly see this when we look at our history and our own families of physical abuse. And, you know, we talk about whippings and spankings and all of that. And and sometimes we laugh those things off. My mother would beat my behind or throw a shoe at me. But we see it all on the internet of people talking about it. Part of that comes from enslavement. Enslavement. When we yes. were treated less than. Less trauma, traumatizing abuse of slavery. And we picked up those patterns and used them in our, within our families. And I see that mm-hmm. over and over again in family trees. Yes. And, you know, I I know that I know that we're also doing it sometimes as a mode of survival because we don't want the other person, we don't want white folks to end up doing some things to us. So in our history, we've used it as a way of, we're going to control you then, mm-hmm. right? But then it goes over into something else. We do have to take a break and, and we will be right back with more discussion uh, from my guest today, Eunice Buffington. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. 
Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with my guest today, Eunice Buffington. Eunice, uh, tell me a little bit about, so you discovered the traumas in your family lineage, but what were some surprising things that you discovered as you were going through this? Because you've been doing this now for about 12 years, I think that you said. So what were some surprising things and you know, some, maybe some more memorable things. In the, in the, in the concept of family or my own personal? Both. Anything you'd like to share with us? One of the, one of the, the, the most surprising things that I found out was that generational trauma that, my, the, that I carry, my mother and my grandmother mm-hmm. and had a pattern of that, that very same thing. And mm-hmm. That just showed me if it's happening in my family, mm. it happens in other families. And so it was not just me. I, in, in doing the research, I found my mother was, was, was abused as a child and my grandmother. Mm-hmm. So that was very important to me uh, and eye-opening, very eye-opening. Mm-hmm. And another thing that, that, that I learned in, in this is that how to become the person that you see today. Mm-hmm. How I became the person that you see today, because I had to go back and deal with uh, yes. all that that childhood trauma, those events uh, in my life that ultimately changed my life to lead me to be the person that I am today, mm-hmm. to fulfill God's plan in my life or the person that I was destined to be. I had mm-hmm. to go back and acknowledge in truth the past, mm. and so uh, that was very important to me. And uh, and I and I speak that when I speak to others in, in generational trauma is that uh, in order to, to, you have to find your own truth, the truth that comes to how you became to be the person that you are today. Yes. And so 
what what I believe that you're actually saying to our audience, and one of the things I heard you 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 you're like really saying so clearly is that you can't get to your greatness without going back and dealing with some mess. Yes, right. <laughs> You have, and a part of your greatness is understanding and getting through that part. Um, tell us about some of the folks maybe you met along the way in your your lineage um, and understanding that name Buffington and, and what it, you know, yeah, let's go back to that for a minute. Okay, and I do, I do a lot of traveling to go connect the dots. And in doing so, I traveled to, uh, to Oklahoma and met Native American cousins that I had no clue that I had that looked like me, but Native American cousins who showed me the lineage and uh, where, where the name came from and how they connected Cherokee, the Cherokee connected to the Buffington line. That was instrumental to me because uh, it, it let me allow, allowed me to see that stamped in my DNA is a little piece of all my ancestors. And I'm just, I'm just a, a genetic piece of them. Yes. And it's, yeah. And so yeah. that was important. As I traveled over the world, I went to Louisiana and connected to the Creole. The Creole question had no clue that that, that had, had that connected to a French cousin. Mm-hmm. So uh, all these little pieces and bits and pieces came a part of me and uh, realizing that I am more than that one thing that I thought I was. We're so much more. And that's and the same thing. You, right? Yes. 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 Yeah. So, so how did they receive you, your your cousins that you've connected with, when they saw this beautiful black woman who they probably didn't know they were connected to as well? <laughs> well received. Well received. Some were some were, some was a little shocked uh, when we first met, our first connect. But as we, we as we connected dots, and knowing that the DNA don't lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, knowing that the DNA don't lie, realizing that we are actually connected by blood and DNA, I was I was well received because it was an eye opener for them as well. Yeah, and so if if other people, uh, white people, Caucasians, uh, Mexican, French, realize that we are more alike than different, and that if our it's just our skin color, our outer appearance that makes us look different. But we are more alike. And if we could do that, we could use those same stop, uh, heal. We could use those same things to stop hiding and denying racism, to stop being racist, to stop following racist family patterns, to stop creating racism and accepting racism. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And so what I hear you saying, you know, white folk need to do their genealogy mm-hmm. as well and as, to and, and knowledge their, and, exactly and own their truth in so many different ways right own their truth as it relates to what was your family history as it relates to uh enslavement and even other genocide and 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 uh oppressive acts but own that but also what you're saying is that look underneath all of this this is just a shell we're all interconnected, which is what I say all the time. And even before this show began, um, before we went live, there's a there's a, a tune that plays that talks about the universe and talks about us all being interconnected. We really need to stop all of the foolishness of <laughs> believing that we're different because we are not. So tell me, Eunice, in, in our, our time that we have left, 
what would you, how can people begin their own journey of, of this? Because you did more than just take a DNA test. You spent years researching and I saw part of it on Facebook. So what's the first step for folks who want to uncover who they are? And the first step is, is, is it started with you, uh, the people that you know, that, and that's your, your parents. That's the first step. You know, build that family tree, and that starts with you and your parents and grandparents building that family tree. And, and as, you, as you build your family tree, as you uh, build your family tree, you'll find in the family tree those traumatic incidents. And as you build, you'll see how uh, if somebody had mental illness over here, grand, 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 a grandchild of uh, a cousin also had some mental illness. If somebody had some trauma over here, you'll see down the line, successively down the line, that trauma repeats itself in the family. And I did what they call a genogram. And a genogram is just a family tree, but it identifies those kind of patterns. So in the family tree, you identify who has some mental illness, who has substance abuse, who had divorce, who had a, a strained relationship with a, a parent, who had uh, an outside child. And, uh, and in that, that family tree succession, you can easily start to see the, the patterns of, of generational trauma. And uh, in doing that, that's what showed me in my own family tree. Like, wow, over and over again, with uh, teen pregnancy was repeating itself in my family tree. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just simple things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so you are the, the president of the Afro-American Historical and Genealogy Society. So uh, genealogical, excuse me, society. So is that something that anyone can join and become a part of? Or what is the process? Absolutely. Uh, the Afro-American Genealogy Society is a, a society that seeks to, we seek to, to document, research, and, and document our, the Afro-American genealogy, our history, our culture, and our family stories in truth. Uh, and that, as I say, we often have to go find our family story, connect the dots, and tell our own story. And when we can tell our own story, that's how the history books have been so distorted. Our, our story was not, told, was not written by us. It was written right. by somebody else. That's right. That's right. In a, in a, in a slant. Not for, not to benefit us, and so when we can tell our own stories, and that's and that, the Afro American Genealogy Society seeks, uh, allows African American researchers, any person, to to join and do that very thing to discover your own family story. Mm. So Eunice, it has been a delight to have you on the show. So before we go, I would love for you to tell people how they could get in touch with you and whether uh, there's a service that you provide with helping other folks to do this work. Absolutely. Well, uh, I'm on on, uh, my website, familytreebuff.com. I'm on Facebook, Eunice Buffington and Family Tree Buff. uh, Facebook page for that. I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm also on YouTube, Family Tree Buff. So you just type in Family Tree Buff, you'll find me. All right. All right. Well, look for Eunice Buffington, Family Tree Buff. It has been a pleasure to have you with us. Give us for 30 seconds or 10 seconds. What's your, what are your words of inspiration for us? Spot, stop, speak, soothe. Everybody um, can do it. 
All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for being my guest, uh, my high school classmate. I'm so delighted you were here. Thank you all for listening to us today. If you listen to the show afterwards, please do comment. And now stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. on edge hey we live in challenging edgy times so let's lean in i'm sandra bargeman the host of the edge of every day which airs each monday at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges that's the edge of every day on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.